Good morning, church. It's great to be with you uh, this morning on this Good Friday, this great Friday, this great day on which we celebrate that all of our faults and failings have been atoned for once and for all at the cross of Christ. My theme for this year is It Is Finished. Uh, it is the English translation of a, of a Greek word that Christ offered up just moments before his death, his last words. In Greek, it is tetelestai, and it means more than simply it is finished. It has a sense of completeness and wholeness about it. We're going to study just what that means, and we're going to go to work as well. Once we've studied and explored what this means for us, we're going to get up out of our seats this morning and go to work. So I hope you're ready to, to get active today, to have a symbolic action of, as a way of helping us to, to know, to internalize, to own the fact that Christ's atoning work on the cross, to pay for all of our faults and failings, for all of our sins, that it is dealt with, finished, paid in full, once and for all. Friends, let's, let's commence our time together with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Loving Lord, we come before you this morning with mixed feelings about the day. This Good Friday, Father, although we call it good, and it is indeed good, we come knowing, Father, that our liberation, our life, our resurrection life was purchased at tremendous cost. We come knowing that it was by the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we are washed clean. Father, we pray that Although this is a familiar story for many of us today, we pray that we might come away with a fresh insight, a new perspective, a deeper understanding of what it means to be washed in the blood, what it means to have our sins paid for in full, to know that the work of atoning sacrifice, of reconciling sacrifice, of being at one with you once more, that that work is finished once and for all. Father, by your Holy Spirit, draw near, make yourself known to us this morning. We pray that you might use this time to grow us in our knowledge and our love for you and our understanding of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for each of us. In Jesus' mighty name, all the people said, Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand and sing our first Good Friday song. It is amazing love. What sacrifice? Let's sing. My Lord, what love is this that pays so dearly that I, the guilty one, may go free. Amazing love. God given for me my debt he pays and my death he dies that I might live that I might live 
and soul. Faith, love of Christ shall flow like rivers come love your guilt We're going to enter into a time of prayer. Uh, the Church of the Marketplace regulars this morning, it is something that we do terribly often, just have a, a time of dedication, time of prayers, of confession, a, a giving over to God all that is not right within us and saying, here they are, Lord. Take our sins. We give them to you. We, we hand them over to you and, and then experience a time of, of forgiveness. So, friends, can I invite you? to simply bow your heads in prayer. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer, a time of confession. Uh, we're going to offer up our praises and our thanksgiving, and then uh, at the end we'll have a moment of forgiveness with a responsive little reading. So friends, can I invite you to bow your heads in prayer? Let's pray. Is God of grace. We come before you this morning full of praise and wonder for your great deeds this morning. On this Good Friday, Father, we acknowledge just how merciful and gracious you truly are. Although yours were the hands that flung stars into space, it was you who breathed our universe into existence, Father. At your command, the sun and the stars came into being. Father, you created the earth and all that is in it. You created every tree and flowering plant upon the earth. You placed all the animals that swim in the sea and walk upon the land. And Father, you made us in your image, male and female. You have created us. 
bearers of your image and have commanded us to care for this earth, steward it, Lord. You gave us every good thing, everything upon the earth for our pleasure and enjoyment. But Father, we confess this morning that we have messed it up. We come before you this morning acknowledging our own portion of the blame in this broken and hurting world. Ours is a world at war within itself, Father. At the fall, relationships were strained. Even between the genders, things were no longer the same. Father, we now know that the different tribes upon the face of the earth are at war with one another. We turn on our TV and we see tremendous brokenness, tremendous pain, tremendous suffering, not just of the members of the human family, but indeed of creation itself. We have raped and pillaged and plundered the good earth. We have used and abused our fellow man. We have gone our own way thinking that we know better. We have set ourselves up as mini-gods, rejecting your good, life-giving way, your life-giving plan for our lives and said, no, no, I choose to go my own way, to take my own path. And this morning we confess that the results have been devastating, Lord. Sin and death entered the world. And to this day, we live with the consequences of sickness and pain and death. So for all those times, in thought, in word, and in deed, when we have said and done things that are contrary to your will, Father, we are truly sorry. For all those times, but those around us, when we have hurt ourselves, Father, when we have been the cause of broken and strained relationships, Lord. For all those times, Father, that we have been the source of pain and grief. We declare that we are truly sorry and that we repent of them this morning. We turn from them, Father. We turn away from sin. We turn away from brokenness. We turn away from darkness and we turn towards you, Father. We turn towards your will for our lives. Thank you, Lord this morning that we can celebrate that all of our brokenness will one day be healed. All of the fractured relationships will one day be put to rot. We say thank you, Father, for breaking into our world in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. Thank you that he showed us how to live and how to love. And we say thank you for his atoning sacrifice on the cross for the atonement, at-one-ment, that we can once again be at one with you, in right relationship with you, Father, reconciled. Thank you, Lord. 
Father, we pray that this morning that we might indeed come to a deeper understanding of that act of sacrifice. These words roll off our tongue for many of us who have been in church for some time. So give us a fresh understanding now, Lord. Give us a fresh understanding of the sacrifice of your Son and of the good news of Jesus Christ. That we are made right, we are whole, we are reconciled, we are restored through the blood of Jesus Christ. That it is finished, our sins are done away with, our sins are washed whiter than the snow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his life. Thank you for his death that brings us life. In his name we pray. Amen. I invite you to cast your eyes to the screen and respond with the bold type in bold there in yellow. Friends, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace is upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Friends, hear then the good news of Jesus Christ. Your sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Friends, we're going to stand and sing another wonderful traditional song of faith that picks up uh, this theme of reconciliation, that picks up the work of the cross. We're going to sing, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Let's stand and sing. Sorrow. 
God's love and sorrow meet. All thorns compose so rich a Friends, our Bible reading this morning comes from John uh, chapter 19. It talks of Jesus' uh, crucifixion and then death. John chapter 19, verses uh, 16 uh, through to 30. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying you know, his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the law protested to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I've written, I've written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dry, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece of cloth from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened, that the scripture might be fulfilled that said they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to a woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. 
A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked it in the sponge, put, it, put the sponge on a stalk of the, the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Friends, let's pray. God of grace, we pray that this very familiar, very tragic story might take on a new meaning for us this morning. Father, we pray simply that we will own for ourselves the fact that it is finished. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're anything like me, you struggle sometimes to complete a job that you start. You might have a few unfinished projects on the go. Are any of you like that? Beside my bedside table, there's a few books starting to pile up. You see, I get given many books, and, and I can't read them as fast as I get given them, so they just pile up. At the moment, I think I've got Jerry Seinfeld's book there beside my bedside table. I've got a, always got a work of fiction on the go and, and, a, and a theological book on the go, and they're piling up there. I, I struggle to get through them. I just recently completed a biography of James Cook's life. It took me months and months to get through. I wasn't sure that I'd, I'd ever finish it, despite the fact that it was an extremely good read. Have any of you got some unfinished books by your bedside at the moment? Perhaps it might not be a book for you. Perhaps it might be emails that are piling up in your inbox. Anybody else got a few of them? I know I do at the moment. I think they're going to have to wait till after Easter, wait till I get back from holidays to be taken care of. Some of you might be uh, half jobs still waiting to be finished with some, some home renovations perhaps or perhaps a, a phone call you still haven't returned yet or, or, or a letter you haven't managed to write to that friend of yours on, in, in a far distant land. Jobs that remain unfinished. If that's you, if that describes you, and I think it all describes all of us to some extent, I want you to know that you're in relatively good company. The great Michelangelo, did you know, left us more unfinished works than finished ones. And for our American friends amongst us, you might not know that Mount Rushmore, their great uh, national emblem uh, of their, one, four of their most loved presidents, is in fact an unfinished work. Did you know that? If you look very closely at Mount Rushmore, you'll see the the statue of George Washington is done in far finer detail than the other three presidents. The artist, the sculptor, never got to finish his work. He meant to keep going and do the chest of those presidents as well. The great uh, Alexander, Alexander the Great, one of the greatest conquerors of all time, one of the greatest generals in history, uh, died at the age of just 33, lamenting the fact that he had so much more still to do. No one plans on dying at age 33, do they? The truth is that there is, in fact, only one person in history who can truthfully, honestly say that when they got to the end of their life, I have completed everything that was given me 
to do. And that person is, of course, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can say, I finished the work that I came to do. I finished everything that I set out to do. His dying words, as we heard this morning, in Greek is a word, tetelestai, roughly translated in English as it is finished. But it's so much more than that. This original Greek word, tetelestai, carries with it some real weight. It means to bring to an end, to, to, to complete something or to accomplish something. It's a, it's a strong word. It, it signifies the successful end to a particular course of action. Tetelestai is the word you would use once you finally stood on the summit of Mount Everest. It is finished. Tetelestai is the word you would use once you've handed in your doctorate or once you've finished running a marathon or when you've finished paying off your mortgage, perhaps. Won't that be a great day? It is finished. It is done. It is accomplished. It means more than just to have survived. It means that to have done exactly what you set out to do. And we can't pick it up in the English, but this word tetelestai in context is in the perfect tense. Now, I didn't know this uh, until I started studying Greek at Bible college. Some of you speak other languages might be aware of this. But for those of us who speak English, who grew up in an English-speaking school, we learn about past tense and present tense and future tense, don't we? Well, there are other tenses. In Greek, you learn about the aorist and you learn about the perfect tense. The perfect tense has a sense of timelessness about it. It has a sense that it was done, it is done, it will continue to be done. It is beyond our sense of time. It is always going to remain done. It looks back and it says, yes, well, that happened, but it is still in effect today and it will continue to remain in effect into the future. This is what Jesus is saying. Tetelestai, it is done once and for all and it has a meaning and a purpose for all of history. Note too that Jesus didn't say, I am finished. That would have implied a sense of defeat, wouldn't it? But that is not what, is, what has happened here. Rather, he said, it is finished, meaning I have successfully completed the work that I came to do. So what is it exactly that was finished? Well, Matthew Henry, one of the great biblical scholars and commentators, lists a number of things, eight things, in fact, when Jesus said, it is finished. Firstly, the malice of his enemies was finished. They had done their worst to him. Crucifixion was an appalling thing to endure. They'd thrown their worst at him, and now mercifully it was, it was coming to an end. His pain was coming to an end. Things like the old system, the old covenant of sacrifice was now at an end. No more need to constantly be sacrificing animals or, or herbs. That system, that old way of sacrificing endlessly had come to an end. It no longer needed to happen. Uh, his sufferings had come to an end. 
Um, Jesus spoke of the baptism of suffering that he must undergo. He was now mercifully coming to an end. All the Old Testament prophecies had now come to an end. If you read your Old Testament, you can't help but see Jesus leap out at you from the pages of Scripture. Here's but a few examples. He was given vinegar to drink, says Psalm 69. He was betrayed, sold for 30 pieces of silver, says Zechariah 11. His hands and his feet were pierced, says Psalm 22. His garments were divided, says Psalm 22. He was pierced in the side, tells us in Zechariah chapter 12. These and many more prophecies surrounding his death were now fulfilled. The price of sin has now been paid in full. Back at the beginning of his ministry, his second cousin, John the Baptist, pointed to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. By taking away, this was an accomplishment of of what uh, Jesus died, what he achieved for us at the cross. All of these things had come to an end. Of course, his life had now come to an end. But finally and most importantly, his work of redemption was now done. It was now complete. It is finished. Matthew Henry goes on to describe the work of the cross in four Fs. He says, full satisfaction of sin was achieved. It was a fatal blow to Satan. A foundation of peace was laid that would last forever. And a fountain of grace was opened up that would last forever. But there's one more thing that I want you to see before we go to work this morning that tetelestai means. This word tetelestai was also used to mean paid in full. You would often write it on a receipt when a debt had been repaid. Tetelestai, paid in full. Friends, once something is paid for, You don't have to go on paying for it anymore. It would be foolish to try to go on paying for that thing, wouldn't it? It doesn't matter what debt you have accrued this morning, friend. It is paid in full. It is finished. It is done away with. It is sorted once and for all. It doesn't matter what skeletons you've got rattling around in your closet. Many people, I think, say, oh, but Pete, you don't know what I've done. I don't, and I don't need to know it's between you and God. What I can tell you this morning is that it is tetelestai, it is finished. It is forgotten, it is paid in full. Jesus has paid the price for you. Paid in full, done, forgotten. Jesus has paid it all. He's dealt with sin and death once and for all. God's not trying to sell you salvation. He's giving it to you free of charge. It's a scandal of God's grace. Stop trying to earn it. If you are still here trying to earn God's love, to earn God's favor by doing good deeds, please stop. As a result of knowing that you are saved by God's grace, yes, your good deeds will follow, but stop trying to earn God's love. It's a weighty burden to carry around or indeed to put on anybody else's back. 
God sent his son to pay for your sins in full at the cross of Calvary. Lay that burden down today, friends. It was dealt with once and for all. The atoning work of Jesus Christ's sacrifice is paid in full for you today. Can I invite you now to spend a moment to to go to work, as a matter of fact, to own this for yourself. You might sometimes hear church services referred to as a, a liturgy. It comes from a Latin phrase meaning the work of the people or the work for the people. So it always strikes me as a, a little bit strange that I do most of the work in a church service. I'm going to put you to work today, friends. I've got here an old rugged cross. I've got a bunch of nails and a handful of hammers as well. I invite you to come forward, if you wish. Take a hammer and a nail and to drive one home into the cross, symbolising the fact that you know that it is finished, that it is done, that your sins have been nailed to the cross once and for all, and you can leave them there. You are freed, you are liberated, and to go away free, knowing that it is finished. Tetelestai, paid in full. Now, this might seem like a strange moment, and it is jarring. Uh, in my morning devotion this morning, courtesy of Bernie, you pointed out in God's word, fresh to you today, this concept is a little bit jarring for we Westerners. Blood sacrifice, it's a little bit gory. It's a little bit, a little bit sort of out there, isn't it? But I'm going to invite you this morning just to own it, just to sit with it and to let it go and to be a little jarred, perhaps. The music team this morning was talking about, should we play while this is happening? And I thought, no, I'm not going to get grace to play while this is happening. It's going to sit in this space, this, this cavernous space, and let the hammer blows ring out. It's going to let the hammer blows ring out to remind us of what Christ has done for each of us. I invite you to come forward at your leisure. I have uh, got some sanitizer there if you would wish uh, to use it. I invite you to take a nail, take a hammer and drive it home in your time, in your way. I have, uh, for those of us that are going to struggle to swing a hammer, I've already uh, started some of the nails off for you. I've drilled a few pilot holes if you would like to use one of those nails. But I think most of us should be okay. I'm a weekend warrior. I'm no tradie and I managed it okay. If your minister can manage it, so can you. If you mess it up, that's okay. We've got some medical people on site. We will be okay. If you mess it up, take another nail until you get it right and drive it home. Make sure you drive it home here as being symbolic of the fact that you know that it is finished. I'm going to start us off because I need to do this as much as anybody and then I invite you to come forward. And once the one or two people, three or four, have had a go, please come forward.
take a nail, drive it home in remembrance that it is finished. It is finished. Why you go? Come on.
Amen. Let's pray. Yes, loving Lord, we, we seek to leave all of our sins, all of our faults, all of our failings, all of our grievances, all of our hatreds, all of our pain, Father, at the cross. We leave them with you knowing that it is dealt with, it is finished once and for all. We've nailed them to the cross, Father. We leave them with you in the hope that you will bring healing, you will bring reconciliation, and you will bring peace. In Jesus' name, amen.